Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just over a week ago, the tech world was completely caught off guard when it was revealed that the mercurial billionaire... Elon Musk had secretly managed to become the largest shareholder in Twitter. Elon Musk, who's the head of Tesla and SpaceX, famously a billionaire, just announced he has bought an almost 10% stake in Twitter. It was a shock because whilst Musk is one of the biggest stars on Twitter with millions of followers, he's also been one of the platform's loudest critics. So why was he buying up shares? Was it even legal? And what did Elon Musk want with Twitter? By last Thursday, the answer was becoming a little bit clearer. Elon Musk has offered to buy Twitter. He says he'd pay just over $54 a share, and if his offer wasn't accepted, he'd consider his position as a current shareholder. In an audacious, hostile takeover bid, Elon Musk is holding Twitter to ransom. Either they let him run the whole company or he'll pull the plug, selling off his stake and sinking their share price. So what next for Twitter? And why does the richest man in the world want to buy an ailing social media platform? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, taking on Twitter, what's driving Elon Musk? I am Danny Fortson. I'm the West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times, based out here in Silicon Valley, covering all things technology. And the joy of covering technology is that you also get to cover the weird and wonderful tech giants we we see emerging from Silicon Valley. Um, We're particularly interested in Elon Musk. Just to get a sense of how mysterious he is, recently a, a reporter went to interview his partner. Tell us a bit about that. His partner is Grimes, who's a kind of a pop artist. She's been around for kind of in the public sphere for for many years. Vanity Fair came over to her house to do an interview uh, with her just about her life as the partner to the richest man on the planet. And as they were talking, they heard what sounded like an infant crying upstairs And Grimes kind of looked shamefaced and basically admitted that, yes, she and Elon Musk had just had a second kind of secret baby. 
A secret baby. <laughs> a secret baby uh, via a surrogate. So, of course, Grimes could be out in public and no one would know that actually there was a kind of progeny forthcoming. Um, but it just gives you a sense. Um, it's like some sort of computer update. Exactly. The baby has quite an interesting name. It's a, a girl called her Y. They had two years ago, they call X. So X and Y. <laughs> Which is like, you know, axis axes on a graph, I guess. The X axis <laughs> and the Y axis. Makes sense, at least. Indeed. He is an engineer at heart, so that I'm sure there's something to do with it. <laughs> and it's a, a surprisingly private life for somebody who seems to have such an open public persona. I mean, just looking at his Twitter feed right now, he's he's a very regular tweeter. You do feel like you're hearing a lot about his life, even if you're not hearing about any new babies. He is kind of Trumpian in that way. He's got something like 80 million followers, which is roughly how many Trump had um, before he was kicked off. He is tweeting constantly. Sometimes it's, you know, responding to a random person complaining or asking a question about their Tesla. A lot of times, though, it's really trolling people, kind of, you know, poking and prodding and insulting and calling people names. And it can be quite adolescent. He uses it to great effect, uh, as Trump did, to really, you know, foment this this larger-than-life persona who doesn't play by the rules. He's become this figure that everybody knows about. He is one of the most famous people in the world. And at the end of the day, he's just, he's a businessman, but he's doing, you know, different types of business, obviously. And that sense of trolling people, it reached its height when just in the last few weeks, he's challenged Vladimir Putin to a fight uh, for (laughs) Ukraine. When one of his followers questioned if Musk had thought this through, he replied, I am absolutely serious. Musk did not provide details on how he intends the combat to take place. Obviously, he uh, thinks very highly of himself. I don't think he really thinks that he can <laughs> win Ukraine via hand-to-hand combat with uh, Vladimir Putin. But he, he, is a, he is a professional troller, and he's, there are a few people better at it than he is. Remarkable. For somebody who's often come a cropper on Twitter, you know, it does allow him to just vent all sorts of slightly mad stuff. It's quite surprising that he now seems to want to buy it. He revealed earlier this month that he has spent about $2.6 billion to buy just over 9% of Twitter, which makes him the single largest investor in Twitter. And just to give you some context, $2.6 billion is about 1% of his net worth. He's worth about $250 billion. So it's kind of, it's play money. For him. He's probably one of the most famous men in the world right now. But for a lot of people, I think, you know, in the way that we watched Bill Gates become mm. one of the richest men, Elon Musk just appeared on the scene, fully formed. So just for people who don't know that much about him, tell us a bit about the man. Who is Elon Musk? And how did he become so rich? If you wind the clock back, back to the first dot-com boom era. He was a young kind of engineer from South Africa. He came out to uh, Silicon Valley to kind of find his fortune. One of his, the first companies he had success with was PayPal, online payments. Back in those days, in the early days of the internet, 
it was a really interesting idea. It was a really pioneering company. It was eventually sold to um, eBay. And what Musk did with the, the earnings from that PayPal payday was invest in this little company called Tesla, which at the time had been started by a couple engineers. And their idea was, we're going to make an electric sports car and show the world that electric cars don't have to be these putt-putt glorified mm. golf carts. The, this can be cool. This can be mass market, etc. But of course, this was back in 2003. They had terrible struggles. And the business wasn't really working. Elon Musk came in as an investor. Eventually, he became its biggest investor. You know, one thing I'd say to anyone who's considering buying this car is... <clears throat> You know, you're not, you're not just buying a sports car. You, you're actually helping pay for development of, of the mass market vehicles. And eventually knocked out the founder and became the CEO himself. Wow. And really started this whole process of trying to will a whole industry into existence, which is electric cars, which is now kind of where the world is going. But from 2003 to, I would say, a few years ago, that company every year was on the brink of bankruptcy. Wow. He was putting all of his time, his wealth, everything into it. He finally has reached the promised land where now it's it's more valuable than the next five to seven car makers combined, even though it makes much less, but it is seen as the future and those others are seen as the past. That's remarkable. And so that is where you know most of his wealth has come. And in the midst of all of this, he also started a second company, which is called SpaceX, of course. And this has really led the way in terms of privatizing space travel, space transport. Um, they're building these rockets that are just really incredible, can kind of take off and then land back by themselves on a floating p platform in the ocean. He's building this uh, giant rocket called Starship, which is his vehicle for his, his main goal, which is to colonize Mars. And he says this without irony. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's very, very serious about it. He wants to make humans an interplanetary species. So between those two companies, Tesla and SpaceX, that is why he is the richest man in the world. And, you know, you mentioned that Tesla up until a few years ago was not even breaking even. It was making losses. Mm. Is there something about him, something about his character, which means that he can drive massive change and he can somehow bring the world with him. He can convince the world that this is the future. The thing about him is that he is an engineer first, right? He sees a goal and then kind of reverse engineers, okay, so how do we get there? What are the steps we need to take? And it's a very, very kind of detail-oriented, almost mechanistic approach to very big problems. Like how can we engineer our way to where we need to get? He has just a singularity of focus that is extremely unique. You know, if you look at Tesla, for example, when things were going really difficult, he was at one point sleeping on the floor under his desk on the production floor. It was what he called production hell. They were just trying to work out all of these kinks. They were losing a lot of money. They were under a ton of pressure. And so he was sleeping in the factory. And... That can oftentimes, you know, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He's very famously has encouraged his workers to walk out of a meeting if they um, aren't adding value or they think it's a waste of time. If you're on a call, you can hang up. We've got big fish to fry. And if you're wasting time, if you're being inefficient, stop it. 
it's rude to leave a meeting, but it's more rude to waste your time when we have such a big mission. Wow. So that gives gives you kind of a sense of of who he is. Some of his ideas are sometimes scarily futuristic. I mean, doesn't he have a company which is all about placing microchips in your brain so that you can plug yourself directly into the internet? How does that work? Yeah, it's called Neuralink. Um, they're based here in San Francisco. They're very, very secretive. But what they're trying to do is effectively jack you into the internet directly. They've created a robot that drills a hole in your skull and implants a tiny microchip and then has these microfilaments that connect from that microchip into your actual brain matter. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. Our current prototype, version 0.9, has about 1,000 channels. It actually uh, fits quite nicely, and if it's under your hair, you can't see it at all. In fact, I could have a neural link right now, and you wouldn't know. The idea is, look, we are, we're staring at our screens all the time. We're already kind of cyborgs. We're already kind of married to our devices. This is that next step. And it's just a much, much more efficient way to intake information, process information. Because, you know, the idea is that you can only read as much as your eyes will let you or your fingers will tap. But what if you could just kind of have a fire hose of information constantly going into your brain? It is remarkable. Uh, he has almost childlike ideas, so futuristic that they seem out mm. there. But he has the money to back them up. We talked a bit about how he uses Twitter certainly to troll people. Does he also use it in terms of his business, you know, to, to make almost markets move in terms of some of his companies? Tell us a bit about that. Tesla is the largest car maker on the planet in terms of its value. And they have zero PR people. Zero. Zero. They completely disbanded the whole PR department. He thinks PR is a waste of time. He's on Twitter. If you want to hear about what's happening, just follow his Twitter account. Um, and that's it. He has his own line in to the public, and he's very adept at using it. Same with Twitter. The news broke that he had become the biggest investor. The shares shot up, and his stake, which he had bought, was suddenly worth hundreds of millions of more. So he made a profit wow. simply on the the sheer act of buying in and then people finding out about it meant that he was hundreds of millions of dollars richer just you know overnight. It's interesting that he bought into Tesla when it wasn't doing very well. Mm. And he's now buying into Twitter. I mean, tell us a mm. bit about the state that the, the company is in. So Twitter is really interesting. It's one of these companies that has a much bigger presence in, I guess, the, what you call the public conscience than mm than what it is as a business. Because if you look at, say, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, all the big social media companies, these are mammoth, mammoth companies. They are some of the greatest profit-generating machines the world has ever seen. Twitter has made profit perhaps once annually since it was founded. This year, it lost $200 million of the big social media companies, it has the smallest number of users. What it is, is a place where journalists and politicians spend a lot of time making statements, 
promoting their stories, promoting their programs, calling each other names, <laughs> whatever it may be. But as a business, it's not a very good business. It's growing pretty slowly. And they've really, really struggled with their own policies. It was founded on this idea that was quite naive. You know, we're going to make the world a better place by connecting everybody and giving everybody a forum. But there's, they were very slow to kind of really think about, okay, well, what do we do about this troll problem? What do we do about disinformation? What do we do about bullying? And I think that is why Musk has bought in is that he can say, well, look, this is an important public forum. It's governed poorly. There's some decisions I don't like. It's not a very good business. Maybe I can kind of use my bully pulpit and, you know, effectively troll the company into doing the things that I want them to do. But what exactly might that be? How would Twitter change under Elon Musk? And should we be worried about it? We'll have more from Danny in a moment, after a quick word from the editor. I'm Emma Tucker, editor of The Sunday Times. It's thanks to listeners like you that we're able to provide journalism that matters. Get to the heart of the story every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What is it about Twitter? Why isn't it working as a model? To, to boil it down, it's just been not very well managed as a company, as a profit-seeking entity. And um, the new CEO, Parag Agrawal, he's been in the seat not that long. And now he has Musk, who is kind of making noise. And, and so it's kind of, it might, might end up being a poison chalice. We'll see how it goes. He's very publicly critical about Twitter. Mm. He's been tweeting 
um, about how few of the the biggest celebrities on Twitter, the ones with the biggest followings, actually tweet, and yeah. whether it, it means that Twitter is dying, which is quite unusual if you just bought a stake in a company. I think it's really about just making some of the changes he thinks need to be made. Perhaps the biggest one is around free speech. And so there's a the, the big question hanging in the air is Donald Trump. He's been kicked off the platform after the January 6th insurrection. Um, he's been kicked off social media generally. And at the time, Musk, who is a free speech kind of maximalist, hmm. said, you know, these companies which are governed by billionaire individuals like himself, shouldn't be the arbiters of truth in the public forum. He did not agree with that decision. He is for a kind of maximum free speech, as little oversight as possible approach. So if he pushes for that, presumably that would lead to Trump being reinstated on on Twitter, which would be a big deal. Part of Musk's game is just trying to push back on some of these policies and I think have a bit of fun. You know, I think this is kind of a toy that he can play with for a while. How surprised were you to realize that he had been almost secretly buying up shares? How did he go about doing it? He's had um, issues with the stock market regulator in the past and he, he probably will again because once you get past a certain level, 5%, you have to immediately inform the market regulator because that is a material piece of information that can move the stock price. And then the first indication that he owned any, it turned out that he owned 9%. He should have informed the regulators days or even weeks before he actually did. And so an investor has already sued. The suit alleges SpaceX and Tesla CEO illegally delayed disclosing his stake in the company in order to purchase more shares at a lower price. As soon as it came out that he was an investor, the, sh- the shares shot up. But you can imagine if a week earlier you were like, you know what, I've been in- invested in Twitter uh. for a year. This has not gone well. I'm selling. But Musk had already secretly started buying. If you had known that he was already in the stock, you would have stayed and made a lot of money. He has definitely lined himself up for another conflict with stock market regulators. But clearly, he doesn't care. And he doesn't really have to care because he's the richest man on the planet. (laughs) So any fine is going to be quite literally the coins down the back of the sofa. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't really affect him. Wow. So too rich for ordinary rules to apply. So how have staff at Twitter responded to Elon Musk's sudden interest? Completely stressed out. (laughs) Because <laughs> the other thing you should you should know about Twitter is on the spectrum of Silicon Valley companies, where you know s- startup culture is all about working all the hours that God gives. Uh, you know this hustle culture. Twitter is very it's like a gentle hug. They have a day of rest once a month, so people don't burn out. Oh, they wow. have any number of affinity groups for anybody any race, ethnicity, creed, sexual orientation, whatever it may be, so everybody feels included. And then you have Musk, this kind of hard-charging, blinkered billionaire um, who's known for driving people very hard and often uh, in ways that people find deeply unfair. Um, And then you have Twitter, 
where you have your monthly day of rest and, and respect for everyone and respect for everybody. And it's all about consensus. Um, so it's a, it's oil and water. And so people were very, very concerned, especially when they thought he was joining the board. Now no one knows what to think because he's just kind of this loose cannon with limitless resources. Well, tell us about that, because we did assume, given how big his share was going to be, that he would have a seat on the board. How did that get cancelled? So it emerged that he was the biggest investor. The company started engaging with him and then announced, hey, this is great. Elon Musk is going to join the board. Parag Agrawal saying, I'm excited to share that we're appointing Elon Musk to our board. Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it became clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. And then complete reverse ferret. The CEO had to put out another statement saying, actually, Elon Musk is not joining the board. He has turned down that invitation. The company will welcome Musk's input, whether he's on the board or not. But this interesting dance between the social media giant and the tech disruptor may only be just beginning. If you think about it, there were some conditions there. One is that he could not buy more than uh, 15% of the stock. So there was a hard cap on how much he could buy as a board member. Mm. And there is also just he becomes financially responsible and kind of legally respond, legally liable as a board member of this company for the decisions it makes. So I think at some point they had some discussions and they were asking him to basically play nice. <laughs> and he said, you know what? No, thanks. And, and Danny, just how shocked do you think Twitter was and was the rest of the market, in fact, when it emerged on Thursday that actually he wanted to, to buy the whole thing? So... <laughs> I think people were shocked because, uh, and quite shocked for a few reasons. One, the kind of prevailing wisdom was like, look, he doesn't want to actually buy this thing. He doesn't want to own it. He doesn't want to run it because he is already running Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink. He's already running the boring company, which is trying to create underground tunnel networks in, in cities for, for transport. So it's suffice to say his hands are full. And Twitter is one of the most difficult companies to take on precisely because of these free speech issues. It is, you know, this very important public forum that everybody has an opinion about, and it's very difficult to govern. So I think people were shocked by that simple fact, okay, oh, he actually wants to take this private, take control of it, and completely transform it, which is what he says he wants to do. So it's, I mean, it's a quite extraordinary move by him and now it's on the Twitter board to just basically say yay or nay. And what happens next? I mean if they go ahead with it, what happens? And if they if they turn him down, what happens then? So he made this filing public first thing in the morning Thursday. He was very clear. He said this is my best and final offer. In other words, he's not negotiating. And he also said very clearly he does not have faith in the management. He thinks the company needs to be transformed as a private company, i.e. not as a publicly traded company that has investors to answer to. It needs to be taken private, taken out of the public limelight, and completely rearranged. So basically, he wants to sack the management and completely redo the company, which is quite extraordinary when you think about, again, just where Twitter sits in the kind of public sphere. But for the board, they have a very difficult decision to make because their primary responsibility is fiduciary. 
they have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders to deliver the best result. And the way that is translated is share price. And he's offered $54.20, which is, if you go back to before he kind of came on the scene, the share price is around $30, $39. So it's a 38% premium, which is healthy. It's certainly something that they have to take seriously. But, you know, the board of directors, including the CEO who is on the board of directors, are effectively deciding about whether they're going to, if they accept, vote themselves out of a job. That's quite something. It, it does give him an inordinate amount of power. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, and we've discussed this before, but this idea that this very important platform for speech, for expression around the world to be controlled by the world's richest man, by one individual, because that's what this would ultimately be. Um, it would be his plaything. That is something that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. I don't think this is a financial play for him. I don't think he cares whether he makes a ton of money or loses a bit of money. And so you can see how this might go if he takes control of it, just basically take off all the guardrails which Twitter has tried to impose over these last few years to get rid of bullies and spam and bots and extremism and terrorism and misinformation and all of these things. A free speech absolutist, that sounds like somebody who just wants to have no holds barred. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, West Coast correspondent for The Sunday Times, Danny Fortson. You can find all of Danny's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. The producers today were Oliver Adamson, Will Rowe, and Samantha Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.